Hey everybody, Jeremy Markovich here. Two quick notes before we get going. First, this podcast has a new home. It's now part of the North Carolina Rabbit Hole, which you can find at ncrabbithole.com. There you can check out previous episodes of Away Message. You can find any new episodes that we're putting out. And if you like this podcast, I think, no guarantees, but I think you will like my weekly newsletter. It is about weird North Carolina stuff. Comes out every Thursday. It is free if you want it to be. And you can sign up at ncrabbithole.com. Second, this episode was produced during my time at Our State Magazine. Now, I happen to think that most of it still holds up, but some of the promo codes and websites that I mention may no longer work. Okay, here's the show. One quick note, some of the remote places we go to in this podcast are places you can go to yourself. The one we're going to in this episode is not one of them. I had to get a lot of permissions to do it. It can be a very dangerous thing to do, and I went with highly trained professionals. Short answer, don't do it. To explain to you what this noise is, I have to tell you about a picture. The guy taking it is aiming down, and you can see his blue jeans and brown boots. He's standing on a metal rung that is sticking out from the side of this orange cylinder. And then below all of that is the ground. And the ground is really, really far away. You ever look at Google Maps in satellite mode? That is what it looks like. And that's it. That is the whole picture. Not much to it, but it's the kind of picture that makes you gasp when you first see it. And pretty quickly you realize what you're seeing. This guy, whoever he is, is hanging on to the side of the orange antenna that is mounted on the very tip top of a television tower. I used to work at a TV station in Charlotte and the engineers would talk about this picture all the time. Because whenever the light on the top of the tower would burn out, the one that's meant to keep airplanes from hitting it at night, they had to hire a guy to climb up there and replace the bulb. I used to think, who does that? Who is crazy enough to climb to the top of one of those things? And what's it like to look down with your own eyes and see that? So that noise you're hearing, that is the sound of me going to get the answers to all of those questions. I'm just going past the strobe light right now. Actually, it's the sound of a creaky rumbling elevator being pulled to the top of a very, very, very tall tower with me inside. Right here's the 300 foot mark, basically. Every light is around 300 feet. Every minute we go up almost 100 feet and we have a lot of minutes left to go. Everybody okay down there? Yep. Yep. That voice you hear is David Haas, the guy in the picture. And funny thing, only part of David I can see right now are those brown boots. The bottoms of them, actually. Because there's only room for me and David's assistant inside the elevator car, so David is riding on the outside, on top, holding onto the cables. Even if both cables were to break, this elevator would not free fall down the tower. I should have had you talk to my wife before we came <laughs> up here. And before long, things that are really big start looking really small. Crowder's Mountain looks like it's right over there. Yeah, you'll notice how they start looking really, really short. They blend in. Oh, 
The higher you go. Uh, only like a third of the way up, too. Yeah. Now is a good time to mention that I am not afraid of heights, but then again, when you pass the 1,000-foot mark, you get a little afraid. Like, when the elevator stops and you're not expecting it. Those uh, spider-looking things. That was not me. Oh, really? Okay. All right, you ready? Yeah. Probably the gate. There we go. The elevator's bumpy, and the metal safety gate came open a little. The gate rattled open just a little bit. Uh-huh. And that shut the elevator off. Well, that's it's reassuring. A few minutes later, the elevator stops again. This time on purpose. <clears throat> All right. Uh, let me just crack the elevator just a little sure. bit to where it won't, absolutely won't move. And then, the moment of truth. Dave, you're clear to go, get out, by the way. Okay. So there's about like a three-foot gap to step across to get yeah. on the platform. A three-foot gap is not a very big gap, but this particular gap is 1,500 feet off the ground, which, by the way, looks pretty much like it did in David's picture, except now, now this is real. All right. You ready? Yeah. Just uh, tied to the ladder. In this podcast, we go to remote places, and this place is definitely hard to get to, trust me. But this is a different kind of remote. It's the kind of remote that messes with your head. It's always scary. If you're not scared, you're not in the right frame of mind. I'm so dazed that I'm using it as my excuse for asking the most cliched question I can think of. Um, You can see your house from here? No, uh, I live back this way, and I live on the other side of a ridge, so. And it turns out, even at 1,500 feet, we are not done going up. This is Away Message, presented by Our State Magazine, a podcast about what you find in hard-to-find places. I'm Jeremy Markovich. And welcome back to WBTV News this morning on Bounce here on this Friday morning. Before I went up on the tower, John Carter, good to have you along with us this morning. And I went to Charlotte to get a tour of the station that owns it. You know, WBTV was the first television station in the two Carolinas. We signed on July the 15th, 1949. There's a control room with lots of buttons. There's how many buttons on that on that switcher? A hundred. And how do you know which one to push? Because I would get lost. <laughs> and wires. So many wires in there. I know, a lot of wires. But there's a particular man I came here to see. Here's Johnny. John Carter. Hey, have a seat. All right. Who actually I've known for a long time. Been an anchor on the morning show here and the noon show for the last 21 years straight. He also runs the station softball team. And I was here five minutes before you tried to recruit me yes. for the team. Absolutely. And I've seen you play before, so I know you'd be very good. I- I'm not good, John. <laughs> well, I-, I take offense at that. You're breathing and you have a pulse, and that's about the only criteria I ask for. Now, long before John worked at this station, he grew up watching this station. This was a time when WBTV was really dominant. I mean, they were dominant. And I live in Shelby, so that's west of uh, Charlotte, and that's where WBTV's signal strength was really strong. This 
was back in the days of those big old school rooftop antennas. And then down on your TV, you had that big round rotator dial and you did that and you go as it moved along, you could get the good signal. I mean, I would say this. Then he went off to college at Appalachian State where WBTV also came in clear as a bell. When I decided that I wanted to work in television, this was the only station I wanted to work at. It was the only place. Now, I used to work in local TV, and so I know that viewers tune in for people they connect with, people like John. But they also watch out of habit. I go out and talk to a lot of people, you know, and I ask them, I'll say, why do you watch the particular station? And invariably, I would say most people say, well, that's the station my mom and daddy watched. For a time, WBTV was the first or only station that people could get over the air. And when the people who watched it had kids, they watched WBTV. And then their kids watched WBTV. And then their kids watched WBTV. And to this day, WBTV still has really strong ratings. And there used to be this old saying that WBTV was so strong that they could put a test pattern on and more people would watch WBTV test pattern than they would any other station. But those ratings are particularly strong west of Charlotte because WBTV has a really tall tower. It's the tallest structure in the entire state, actually. Now, the higher your antenna, the further your signal goes. Combine that with a lot of power, and WBTV, more than other stations, is able to blast into some of the most remote nooks and crannies of the Blue Ridge Mountains. I have been up in the mountains in Wilkes County, in Allegheny County. I have been in remote areas shooting stories. We've done moonshiners and things like that. And I'll walk into a little store in the middle of nowhere, a little country store, and I have walked in there and people go, you're with WBTV. It's amazing the reach that this television station has. And it is amazing to me the affinity that people have for this station that I have seen uh, in some of the most remote areas of Western North Carolina. There's a 2,000 foot tower out in Gaston County. Yes. Like it feels almost like antiquated to have an old school tower broadcasting a signal. How important is it to still have that signal blasting out from the top of that, that tower? There are a lot of people out there to this day who don't use cable, who do use antennas. And, uh, you know, as, as far as I know, there, that tower will always be there. I can't think of anything that was supplanted. That tower actually is not in Charlotte. It's about 30 miles to the west in an area of farms and woods near the small town of Dallas, North Carolina. These are the counterweights that keep the elevator cables tight. Uh -huh. Now, you might think that a guy who climbs a tower like that might be a thrill seeker, an adrenaline junkie, a risk taker. But it turns out the guy who climbs this tower doesn't even go to the amusement park. And he's got a good explanation for that. After the break. On a hot day, I meet David Haas, the tower climber, at the base of the WBTV broadcast site in Gaston County. And first things first, he wants me to get bundled up. Do you have a hoodie or a sweatshirt? I do, it's in the car, yeah. Okay. So I get the equipment, hard hat, harness, and clips that'll keep me from falling. And before we go up in the tower, David takes me aside. But here's where we go up on the tower. Okay. This can be scary if you're not used to it. Uh-huh. Don't let your heart control your 
thought process. Logic, reason, let your mind rule here, not your heart. Don't let the fear, don't let anything make you so afraid that you lose control of this. Okay. That little speech makes me feel a lot better because here's the thing. You need to be fearful, but you also have to have the right amount of trust. As in, I didn't know why David asked me to wear a hooded sweatshirt on a hot day, but I trusted him. And as we go up, it starts making sense. It's getting a little cooler now, a little windier. Oh yeah. A little breezier. Well, the hardest thing to describe is how much heat actually comes off the ground. And yeah. you, you really don't notice it until you're about 100 feet up. I mean, the temperature feels like a drop, like maybe like five degrees and just like no time flat. So after we get out, clip in so we don't fall and step across that three foot gap up at 1500 feet. Yeah. David and his assistant get to work. All right, Steve, you copy? Yeah, sure do, David. Go ahead. They don't just change light bulbs. They also fix electronic equipment. In fact, that sort of explains how David got this job. I was teaching part-time at Gaston College back that way, and one of my students was managing that tower over there for a company called Lodestar. He came to my troubleshooting class to learn about electronics. I uh, was going for months and weeks without even a paycheck from my normal business. TV repair? Right. So uh, when I got the opportunity to work on those lights and uh, when that door was opened, uh, I ran with that as hard as I could and I eventually closed the TV repair business down because there's just not any money in that. My skills are worth more here. The climbing part, that came later. And David found out that that is as much mental as it is physical. Like, for instance, the importance of having a radio. All right, David, that'll be fine. I'm firing up. It's not just to convey information. He's saying hearing that voice, too, up here is reassuring when you're up here by yourself. It is. Just hearing another voice, uh, hearing someone else, being able to talk to someone else is very comforting. I mean, is it sort of like, uh, I don't know, your link to civilization? It's almost like being on the moon up there. Right, it's your link back to civilization. You can talk to someone. After about 10 minutes, the repair work is finished, and then David and I get on the elevator. But we're not going back down. Why don't I take you a little further up then? Justin yeah. can hang out here. I'll take you a little further up and show you another antenna up there. Okay. So this goes how high, this elevator? About 1860. The tower is roughly 1900. There's a 50 or 60 foot antenna on top of it. So about 1960 feet total height. It's funny, once you get up a certain height, Adding a few more hundred feet doesn't uh, change it much. No. Right. Okay, this is as far as the elevator goes. Okay. At this moment, we are 1,860 feet above the ground. We step out onto another much smaller platform. Looking down the tower, it's just a vortex of white triangles that reaches down to infinity. Looking out, you are way above things that are normally way above you. There's some buzzards circling down there, and they're like way below us. 
over that field. Those buzzards look like tiny black specks. There's a small wisp of gray smoke rising up from what has to be a really big fire among the tiny little green trees. The cars down the highway look like toys. Down there, they're moving at 70 miles per hour, but from up here, they look like they're just crawling along. And that is the thing about being up this high. It's not scary to me. To be scary, something has to be real or feel real. This just feels like a dream. Now, if David is having any of these emotions, he's not saying. You ever just kind of stop and enjoy it or stop and kind of take it all in? There's usually not time for that. you got to keep your mind focused on what you're doing. For a guy who does a job that most of us think is insane, David is among the most chill people I've ever met. Um, you strike me as a very mild-mannered person, which maybe is the right temperament for this job. I try to be. The airplane people, the people that fly, have a saying that there are old pilots and there are bold pilots, but there are no old, bold pilots. And that applies to this industry as well. You've got people that in work, have been working on towers a long time, and uh, sometimes you have somebody that's a little bit of a renegade and they come up here and run around like a squirrel, but uh, they usually don't last. It seems like this would be a thrill-seeking thing to climb a tower, but to work and have this as a career really can't look at it like that. That's right. This is not a place for a thrill seeker, no. Uh, I don't go to Carowinds, I don't go to the uh, amusement parks and things like that. Uh, I'm not that kind of a person. I'm not amused by taking risks. And so being a tower climber really boils down to those two things we talked about earlier, trust and fear. First, you have to trust the tower and the people who built it. When you climb that antenna, there's nothing around you anymore to hold on to. You're strapped to this pole. And you really start thinking about things like, I hope the welder that welded the flange on the bottom of the antenna had a good day. You hope that it wasn't a Monday or a Friday. You start thinking about things like that and your mind can play tricks on you. And if you're not careful, your mind uh, can get away from you. Is there, is there any time you feel, even like recently or anything like that, that you're like, okay, I think my mind is getting away from me, and then how do you deal with that? It's called fear management. You learn to manage the fear by pushing the envelope, by pushing the limits. You learn what the limits are. You learn what's possible. One thing that is not possible today, going to the very top. Because the television station is broadcasting at full power, and it's just not healthy to be that close to that much radio frequency, or RF. That's all the questions I have, so. If I could say one thing. Yeah. You can hear forever. You can hear those trucks down there on 321. You can hear dogs bark. You can hear sirens way off. You can hear the coyotes howl whenever an ambulance comes by and stuff like that. Uh, because you're up above this, you can hear you know, way, way far off. Down on the ground, you've got all this foliage that blocks that. But once you get up here, you can hear cars, you can hear motorcycles, you can hear things five miles away. And so, we both stop talking for a moment and just listen. All right. 
Okay, here we go. Coming down. And as we head back down to Earth, out of the realm of fantasy and into reality, David talks about the fear and the trust some more. But there's one more thing that makes all of this work, that keeps David coming back. It's a sort of friendship. You kind of develop a relationship with the tower that you're on if you're on it on a regular basis. You know, this is an old friend to me. It's kept me safe many, many days. It's, it sounds silly. I care for these towers in some way. I, I want to see them. I want to see them safe. They've kept me safe. And maybe this man whose job feels out of this world, maybe he's the most grounded one of us all. On the next episode of Away Message, we are headed to a place where the vegetation is thick and the plants seem to be plotting against you. You get a vine around your gun there, which is probably not a good thing. You've never had the swamp, you know, yank your gun out of your holster, have you? I have a couple times. A couple times? We are headed deep into a legendary swamp in our next episode. Away Message is produced, written, and edited by me, Jeremy Markovich. Our digital manager is Andy Busum. Our music coordinator is Rosalie Catanoso. And our editor-in-chief is Elizabeth Hudson. Our theme song is by The Collection, a band from right here in North Carolina. Some additional music by Lee Rosevere. A big thank you this week to Robert Ray, Paul Krabath, John Carter, Chris Dykes, and everybody else at WBTV. And also a very big special thank you to Billy Steele. This podcast is a production of Our State Magazine, celebrating North Carolina for more than 80 years. If you want to see what it looks like from nearly 1,900 feet up on the tower, we are posting pictures on our podcast Facebook page. You can get there by clicking on this episode on our website, away.rstate.com. And before we go, here is one more story about some breaking news that just didn't pass the smell test. There was this reported this huge fire going on and it was in a remote county okay so we needed to use a helicopter and we've got a camera on in the helicopter so the people back here in the station can see it too and they're looking at, we need to go on we need to go on i said well give me a minute give me a minute and all of a sudden kevin ryan the photographer goes you're on the air i'm describing the scene and right as we get to it it was an outhouse it literally was like an outhouse that was on fire what what does what does I have so many questions, but I'm only I'm only gonna I'm only gonna limit it to this. What does an outhouse on fire smell like? Uh, well, fortunately, we were up in the helicopter and we couldn't smell it. You know, would you have ever thought when you got up this morning you'd be talking about outhouses? I did not. I I did I did not think that. But but I am so glad that my day took this turn. We're heading back out to another remote part of North Carolina. We'll talk to you again next Thursday.